Uh, we like the music off of the top. Hello and welcome to our Vegas Nation podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Raiders, of course, their mandatory minicamp, which just ended a f- about a week ago. Uh, the Silver and Black had a lot of things going on. We have our panel, as always, our Raiders beat writer and hip-hop connoisseur, Monsieur Michael Gelkin in Alameda, California. Michael, you there? I am there. How are you doing? I'm doing well. doing well. We also have our NFL writer at the Review Journal, Gilberto Monsano, the Curb Your Enthusiasm fanatic. How goes it, Gilbert? I'm doing well. How about you, B-Sal? We're doing well. We got the band back together to talk a little bit of Raiders. And, Michael, obviously we'll get started quickly with this. The Raiders, they ended their mandatory minicamp. Uh, John Gruden with the head, the head man, obviously, back in Oakland with his silver and black squad. They had that 100-play final exam. I guess what jumped out at you about the Raiders and, and John Gruden holding this minicamp, particularly with the, the 100-play exam and how the offense was looking? It was interesting from a media standpoint because you show up to the final practice of the spring and you didn't know to expect what the Raiders did. Like the first two days of that three-day minicamp, you know, they were in shells, they were in helmet, they were doing – you know, you know, a lot of what you would see in training camp, albeit no pads, but just the type of practice that it was. And then you show up on June 14th when Raiders concluded their minicamp and you see no helmets. All the guys are in shorts and you just you're kind of wondering what kind of practice is going to be. Is it just going to be a real light paced walkthrough, just an easy breezy way to get into the summer break? And then you watch what happens where it's about 100 plays long. Play after play after play, very up-tempo. They're doing red zone. They're doing two-minute, no-huddle type of offense. And Strong right how... slot, Z right. Spider two wide <laughs> banana, Z. Exactly, and actually that's a perfect tie-in because John Gruden would call a certain play coming out of the no-huddle, and Derek Carr would go to the line, and he'd be orchestrating traffic. And then before the snap, Gruden t- says, wait, 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 and then he just screams out a new play. And now you see you have the tight ends. You know, shifting opposite sides, the wide receivers are motioning, the whole play resets. All the while, you have Derek Carr, who's just commanding things while those on defense are responding to the adjustments the offense is making. And so just seeing how up-tempo and almost game-like conditions that the Raiders were throwing, uh, Raiders coaches were throwing at players and their ability to all in all handle it, in particular Derek Carr's ability to handle it, was a testament to just how much progress the team made over the course of its nine plus weeks of spring workout program. So I think that was really good to see just uh, going into the summer, get some muscle memory of going through all that the Raiders uh, initiated in terms of installing their offensive and defensive playbooks. Wow. Gilbert in hearing Michael describe, he did a very good job of describing that. And also Gruden, Obviously did a great job with uh, his team for his first minicamp or mandatory minicamp. And Gilbert, in hearing Michael describe that, it, it, it seems as if old Chucky is back and that he has really installed a lot of enthusiasm and intensity back into that Raider program in just Chucky. the short time that he's been there, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, from what I'm seeing on Twitter or interviews or, or stories from Michael, everybody's enjoying uh, John Gruden's present. It seems like he's more laid back from the, the first uh, you know, regime. It seemed like a lot of people were kind of wondering how he'll be. It would be this, you know, no-nonsense type of guy. But he kind of seemed like he's a player's coach so far. But then again, it's Tony June. So wait till the pads come out. He might get a little more, you know, chucky out there. But it sounds overall good, Good, uh, you know, mandatory, uh, mandatory, sorry, mini, mandatory mini. I'm getting that wrong already. 
But John Gruden seems like he he got the team on board, which you want to do in June and May. Get them all together. Like you, he's, he, I know he's been around as a as an analyst, as a coach, but he's still a new a new a new coach. You gotta win these guys over. So far, I think he's doing that. That's cool. Yeah, I I would completely agree with that from everything that I've seen and heard and listened to the sound bites. And he's not just a Monday night football commentator any longer. He's actually a real head coach of these guys now. Missing from mandatory minicamp and actually the involuntary. Uh, a voluntary minicamp, uh, Khalil Mack. Coach John Gruden had this to say about his best player's absence. Michael was there and heard this, but this is what Gruden had to say about Khalil Mack missing mandatory minicamp. I feel a lot better if number 52 is walking around here right now. You know, he's the man. He's the guy we got to figure out uh, how to get back in here. I could listen to John Gruden sound bites all day long. Michael, oh, I would assume. favorite play, Spider 2 <laughs> Michael, banana. I would assume that. What was it like, actually? This is off beaten path of the question I was getting ready to ask, but just listening to Gruden talk. Because uh, I know when I met Brent Musburger, it was weird kind of hearing him speak because I'm used to seeing him on television and hearing his voice during like the Rose Bowl and stuff like that. Did you have any of that at first in dealing with Gruden and listening to him talk? Like, man, this is a guy. You know, it's weird kind of hearing him talk in person just because you're used to hearing him on TV. In some sense, I did some research on him before first experiencing in live form his practices, where I would go back and watch some old film, some sound bites, some video clips of just John Gruden in the first go around with the Raiders, uh, which of course started in 1998 and into the early 2000s before the trade. And you just got that, you know, you saw the fire, you saw the intensity, and you saw those things that so many people connect to John Gruden. And then, yeah, I think that first practice of the spring when uh, we're actually standing out there while John Gruden is orchestrating and conducting practice, and it's that same voice, it's the same fire, it's the same intensity. And so, yeah, there is that aspect that um, it is as seen on TV with him. And beyond that, that a little more depth to it, Raiders players are familiar with the sound of John Gruden. And so I think uh, certainly initially and over the time, it kind of uh, you know loses some of its glow. But there is a presence to John Gruden that does last. And he certainly has that. He commands attention. He's got the intensity. And I think that's part of the reason, as Gilbert mentioned, so many different Raiders players, you, you, you've heard them this spring talk about how they've bought in. It's because not only the intensity from John Gruden, but also the distinct vision about where all the work here in the offseason is building toward. There is a very clear vision about the direction the Raiders are headed. They have a strong sense of their scheme, what kind of offense they want to be, what kind of defense they want to be, what kind of football team, special teams they want to be. And when it's being delivered at that volume as a player, you really have no choice but to buy in, especially given the tempo at which everything is being installed. Okay, and with that being said, to the question, actually, uh, Khalil Mack not being there for voluntary and then involuntary uh, mandatory minicamp, how do you think that affected the team, or are they any further along? Or is that a big deal, and, and, and do you think it may spill over into training camp? I don't want to say it was, you know, not a big deal. Um, you know, he's, he's such a, you know, he's one of the best players in, 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 the, in the league. And you look at the defensive line, you have, Mo Hurst Jr., a fifth-round pick, who the Raiders are really counting on this season and beyond. You know, he certainly could use 
Khalil Mack's presence in that room, such as the case, too, with P.J. Hall, the team's second-round pick, such as the case with third-round pick Arden Key, an edge rusher such as Khalil Mack. And so, uh, you know, is Bruce Irvin stepping up in that leadership role? Yes, he is. But is there a replacement to Khalil Mack on this football team? No, there is not. So this holdout will continue to play itself out. Uh, chances are we don't see Khalil Mack at the start of training camp, although it is possible that he's out there. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I, I can promise you one thing. Joel Siegel, his agent, knows exactly what he's doing. He's extremely experienced, certainly in the realm of holdouts with other clients he's had. And so he's very aware of every decision he is making on behalf of Khalil Mack in, in regards to whether or not he should be out there, uh, sh- you know, should he be out there, what are the deadlines, and how it could impact his client's future, the franchise tag in 2019 if he doesn't reach a long-term deal, uh, the state income taxes in Las Vegas, if they wait a year, and how that could affect things. I mean, all that, all those variables are part of this process in terms of when Khalil Mack will join the Raiders. The, but the Raiders aren't too worried about it in the sense of they know that Khalil Mack, once he reports, will be ready and physically good to go come the start of the 2018 season. Okay. And Gilbert, in hearing that, <laughs> and Gilbert, in hearing that, what do you, how do you think that Gruden has actually played that, uh, the fact that Khalil Mack has not been around? Because, you know, we've, we've heard, Chucky. you know, we've heard like Gruden go Chucky sometimes, not this time around, but we've heard coaches <laughs> talk down about different players when they've held out or, you know, like Bill, Bill Parcells or, you know, Terry Glenn, I'm not talking about her, just whatever. How do you think that Gruden has actually handled the situation of Khalil Mack not being in camp? From hearing that soundbite, it sounds like he really wants him there. He, he's saying he wants 52 in, in the house. So I think he's doing the right approach. And also, you know, John Gruden's like we, like I was saying, he's new. He wants to win these guys over, and you don't want to, you know, start talking to to the media saying get your butt to camp. And that's not that's not a, a way you want to start with your franchise franchise type of player. Uh, and it's also not like a, a sometimes these players sign a contract, they don't like it, they outplay it, and it becomes like a you know back and forth. Like you got to get in here, you already signed your contract. This is uh, Khalil's Mack's first big contract from a, from you know outplaying a rookie deal, so he deserves this big deal. I think John Gruden knows that. Um, like Michael was saying, it will, it will probably spill over to training camp. You know, this is not NBA where a lot of these top players go to, to the open market, like LeBron James in, in, a couple, in a couple of days. Usually in football, it gets taken care of, but it does spill over to July. Sometimes a couple of games in preseason, and sometimes even in the regular season, you, you miss a couple of games here and there. Last year with Donald Penn, it took a while, but they got it done. But this is, again, this is Khalil Mack. He's been doing all the work for you on defense. You got to get it done. And I think what, what they're waiting maybe what they're waiting for is the first domino with Aaron Aaron Donald, who's gonna be the highest played defensive player. Donald or Mac could be a debate there, but I think they're gonna wait it out. But I just but I think he'll get there. We just gotta see how, how long it'll take. That's actually a very, very good um take on that. Worrying about like what happens with Aaron Donald, because a lot of times we all know this that one top player kind of sets the bar, the benchmark of how guys are going to get paid and then guys follow suit. And we can all agree that Aaron Donald is the top defensive player in the NFL right now. And Khalil Mack is close behind, but he'll, he'll probably try to get something right underneath that. So uh, with that said, wow, guys. Brian, Brian, Brian's a hot take, though, for sure. Aaron Donald better than Khalil Mack? I think so. I think, I think it's wildly – when you listen to, to people talk about defensive linemen or defensive players in general, I think, I think a lot of people think that he may be the best player in the league. No? It's hard to argue, but I think it's a debate there, especially with Khalil Mack getting triple teams all the time. But it, it is a, a good, 
debate between an interior defense alignment and, a, and an edge rusher, which one's more valuable. Okay. Michael, man, you want to chime in on that? They're both sensational. Uh, different positions in terms of a little more on the edge and what Donald does on the inside and, you know, working the interior for the Rams. That's a tough one. I mean, you want them both. And I think it's probably one of those situations where they both have different agents. And so if you're a CAA, which I believe represents Aaron Donald, you believe mm-hmm. your client deserves more money and should be paid second. While if you're maybe Khalil Mack's agent, Joel Siegel, you'd want to see Donald set the market. So uh, that's an interesting dynamic to the landscape of this renegotiation of this contract extension. Perfectly stated, Michael. Appreciate that. Now, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a break now. We, we've got to pay some bills around here in our Vegas Nation podcast. But when we return, we will talk about Martavis Bryant and his near suspension or what's going on with that whole deal. Michael has a hot take on that. And we'll get back with uh, Gilbert talking about the Raiders' defensive line as well. We'll be right back with our Vegas Nation podcast. Toyota RAV4. It's up for anything. Toyota. Let's go places. Let's go be spontaneous. Let's go out of our comfort zone. Let's go make the most of it in the Toyota Corolla. Toyota. Let's go places. All right, welcome back to our Vegas Nation podcast. Michael Gelkin, the Raiders beat writer in Alameda. Gilberto Monsano, NFL writer at Review Journal. Brian Salmon here, and we're talking about now Martavis Bryant. You had a, a hot story that came out right after minicamp ended, Michael, about Martavis Bryant and whether or not you know he would be suspended. We all know he has a checkered pass with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which he was suspended. And when he came to the Raiders, he was hammered by just media asking questions about him and, and whether or not – uh, you know, how he would handle his business. And these are some quotes that Martavis Bryant had to say, just handling my business as a man, he said, it's not my first rodeo. I've had my difficulties in the past, but I've come a long way from that. It's about keeping the right resources around me and continue to stay on the right path. I'm going to make sure I get that done. Now, Michael, I guess, could you tell us what happened with Martavis Bryant and really, I guess, how closely he's following his own words about staying on the right path. Well, I want to be as careful discussing Martavis's Bryant situation as I was careful with my wording when reporting the story on June 14th. And June 14th, again, was the day the Raiders concluded their minicamp practice. And there was so much talk about what the team achieved this spring. It was about how Derek Carr really had come to grasp this offense and was processing it, working in and out of plays, and just demonstrating the sort of fluency at this point in the offseason that really encouraged the Raiders and the coaching staff. And there was the defense, you know, guys like Derek Johnson, you know, the veterans, and the blend between inexperience in terms of this rookie class with some of those more experienced guys that John Gruden and the Raiders really loaded in terms of free agency bringing into the mix. And so it was all coming together. It was all something that you saw on those roughly 100 plays on the final day, but also something that was being talked about that day was internally Martavis Bryant. He did not practice that day. He, I was told uh, from the Raiders, uh, there, there, there was real fear regarding the possibility of a suspension involving him. And it was not something that the team had final answer on. They were waiting for word to get a sense of whether or not a situation was going to impact Martavis Bryant moving forward. But there was 
of fear. There was concern, trepidation, as the Raiders concluded, despite all the positivity surrounding the two months' worth of work, they were they lacked clarity about Mark Davis Bryant. And that situation, although in flux as it was, uh, you know, was something that I worked to flesh out and talk to several people within the organization, uh, you know, around the situation to get as clear of a sense as possible prior to reporting about exactly where things stood. And so what we knew then is kind of what we know now in terms of the concern that was there for the Raiders at that point and waiting for a final word as, as to whether or not uh, that situation will prevent Martavis from you know, being available for the entirety of the 2018 season. Will impact his availability at all? Uh, don't know exactly the circumstance in terms of was it something, a failed drug test? I haven't heard that at all in terms of that, which, again, we'll see. I don't know exactly the exact nature of the situation. That uh, should show itself over time. What I do know is how the Raiders uh, you know, weren't too comfortable with what was happening and were concerned as a time in which their off-season workout program this spring concluded. So we, we will see. It's going to be interesting moving forward. And... You know, one thing that Martavis said in that sound, you know, in, in that quote that you mentioned that was that was from late April was, you know, he's really worked to correct things and to be on the right path. And this doesn't diminish that. I think a lot of people, when they heard the Raiders' concern, you know, maybe filled in the blanks where, you know, oh, Martavis Bryant, you know, you know, has, has slipped up and fallen off you know, the wagon it, or something or just whatever. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. and then I think people are very quick to want to criticize John Gruden for taking the gamble that he did in terms of the Raiders, you know, shipping a third round pick on April 26th to the Pittsburgh Steelers for, for Martavis Bryant, knowing his history and having missed the 2016 season for repeated violations to the NFL substance abuse policy. And so I think there's a lot of that reaction to it, but um, it's important to keep in mind the facts and those facts as they were, uh, were reported given what, the Raiders gave up for Martavis and how soon they had those concerns and the heightened risk in terms of uh, the potential discipline that would come from the league should indeed he be found to be in violation of the NFL substance abuse policy once more. So it's kind of a complicated, complex, moving piece type of story and do not have the conclusion of that. Do not know if the Raiders had the conclusion of it. Um, Given that they've been very quiet since that report, I think, probably is a testament to the lack of knowledge in terms of how this thing will shake out. Also, it's a quiet period for the Raiders, so we'll, we'll see. It's going to be something to monitor over the coming weeks, but uh, certainly for the Raiders' standpoint, uh, you, would, you would hate to see it for them. You'd hate to see it for Martavis Bryant. Uh, it, it would be an unfortunate situation to, for a young man who's really working uh, to revitalize his career going into the final season of his rookie contract. Okay, so that's, that's good to know, and, and, and anyone who's listening to this, be sure to go to ReviewJournal.com or Vegas Nation, our, our app, to uh, keep up with Michael as he continues to follow that story along of uh, Martavis Bryant. And I know Gilbert was one of the guys, when we talked about it during the draft, when the Raiders actually got Martavis Bryant via trade. Like, uh-oh, you know, he's kind of taking a risk with either trading for him and then some of, these, some of the players drafted. So, Gilbert, when you actually saw Michael's story, I guess what were the first things that went through your mind about Martavis Bryant and whether or not, you know, you know, how the Raiders were uh, a little bit nervous on whether or not he would be suspended for something. Yeah, I guess a part of me was a little more like, uh-oh, here, here we go again with Martavis Bryant. Another part of me was like, uh-oh, did John Green already make a mistake so early in his, in his tenure back? Uh, it's not even June. I think this happened in May, or it must have been June, I forget. 
but it was so early in year one. So I was, you know, kind of, you know, thinking uh, negative. And then I started thinking, you know, what if it is for marijuana, which is another debate with, within itself about, you know, allowing these players, you know, to use uh, uh, marijuana. Uh, it's, it's so many things we could talk about this big topic. But then, you know, you go to the field and I thought he was going to help out Derek Carr in a big way, stretching out the field. Agreed. Uh, going with the with the deep ball, it really affected them a year ago. You, you get John Gruden to you know plug in Martavius Bryant with a Jordy Nelson who could be in the slot. You know they they look pretty you know like a lot of weapons for their car. They're coming off a down year, so on the field you know it hurts them. And off the field, hopefully Martavius Bryant is okay. You know maybe it's a hiccup. You know again if it's a marijuana thing, that's a tough situation. You know it's not like it's it's PEDs. That's an, again it's another debate, but hopefully. For him, he's on the right track. It just sounds so weird saying hopefully he's on the right track when it comes to marijuana. But again, we don't know what the actual, you know, if there is a failed test, we really don't know. Uh, Michael is very careful with that. It's more of a, a scare, uh, a potential hiccup, but we don't know just yet. Okay, so yeah, as as um, Michael said, it's a very touchy situation, a touch and go, something that will follow uh, in the offseason leading up to training camp with the Raiders and Martavis Bryant. So let's go ahead and move on to the Raiders' defensive line. I, I kind of teased that before we went to break. Uh, Tom Cable, who is now with the Raiders again, he's not on the defensive side of the ball, but he knows defense. He's an offensive line coach. He had this to say about Arden Keys, the LSU rookie, the person who was on the other, I guess basically playing Khalil Mack right now or during uh, minicamp because Khalil Mack has been gone. But he had some good words to say about Arden Keys, even though he didn't mention him by name. Here's what he had to say. If you really look at the LSU kid, he's got so much hand speed and violence. He kind of excites you. I was around Bruce Irvin in Seattle for a good while. Those guys can really eat up your cushion as an offensive tackle and get on top of you, and he certainly can do that. So, you know, I feel like as we try to create pass rush, which you have to, particularly in the fourth quarter when you got a lead in this league, um, those guys have a chance to do some cool things. Now, Michael, in hearing him talk so highly of Arden Keys, obviously he's not going to be competing for a starting spot because we have Irvin and then we also have Khalil Mack on that team. But uh, it, what are some of the actual key battles that you see uh, for rookies of the Raiders heading into training camp, either on a defensive line or the safety spot, they have a lot of guys back there, or even on the offensive side of the ball with tackles with, with Donald Penn and whatnot. Boy, I could talk for 10 minutes on that subject. There's a, a lot going on. We'll keep it to like five, like quick ones. Maybe just All stick with one or two. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I'll stick with the defensive line. Okay. There are reps to go around. Look, there's no mistake talking about the lack of pass rush the Raiders have received over the past certainly couple of seasons where you look at Despite Khalil Mack's dominance, despite in 2016 him being the AP Defensive Player of the Year, you know, despite all the attention that he draws, which would figure to open up things for teammates all on the line, still the Raiders have not been able to achieve their desired amount of pass rush. Uh, they have fallen short. That's despite Bruce Irvin's finish last season. Uh, their interior rush has been nowhere near where it needs to be, and so in the spring it. There was a lot writing, and there is a lot writing, on what the Raiders draft class can provide. Not just second-round pick P.J. Hall, not just third-round pick Arden Key, but fifth-round pick Mohurst Jr., who has been actually probably more impressive than P.J. Hall, given that he comes from Michigan, a bit bigger of a program than where Hall hails from. So uh, all this, you know, all these young pieces, these rookie pieces, 
really are going to have a great opportunity to see a lot of snaps. And when you talk interior rush or edge rush, it's less about who's starting and than it is who's rotating through. You want it's something that Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, always had in Cincinnati was this steady rotation. You know, just being able to go deep through your defensive line and cycle fresh bodies through and just keep coming and coming and coming at these offensive linemen who don't have the luxury of being able to rotate out. So over the course of the training camp and the preseason and into the opening weeks of the season, we're going to gain a better sense for terms of what the Raiders have from a pass rush standpoint. That is probably the one silver lining or positive note that you could really use to characterize Khalil Mack's absence so far is that Although the Raiders have been without Clomac, and although despite their efforts, they have yet to reach a long-term contract extension, which ultimately is projected to be worth more than two or more than twenty million dollars a year, they can feel confident that Clomac, once he does report, will have more help this season than he has in the recent years. Where, despite his production, the Raiders have still failed too often to get to the quarterback. That is something that John Gruden had to say entering the draft that, hey, we need to be able to rush the passer. That's a, a key in, in any football team of creating any kind of, um, I guess, uh, quickness of releasing the ball by a quarterback. I mean, that results in interceptions and, and getting off the field and everything else. So that was a big point of emphasis for Gruden. So it's nice to see or nice to hear that at least the Oakland Raiders will have some some, uh, some depth at that position, and, and hopefully get some results, as you said. Now, Gilbert, uh, yeah. we, we, we talked about and, and, and heard Gruden talking about that on the defensive side of the ball. We also have watched Donald Penn, you know, be injured. Uh, Michael ha- has said to us via email and everything else the fact that the Raiders do have a lot of offensive uh, tackles. They have a lot of tackles on the team. Penn's getting paid a lot. He's getting old. What do you, what do you foresee – on the, the Raiders' offensive line side of the ball and, and whether or not do you think that, one, that Penn will maybe make a, a good return or do you see the Raiders having uh, cycle a lot of young guys through the, the tackle position and, and just men in general to try to get some, uh, to get some uh, variety there? Yeah, it just, it just shows you how, how fast the NFL works. Just two years ago, 2016, when the Raiders went to the playoffs, they had arguably the best uh, offensive line in football. And then last year, they kind, of, you know, they kind of took a step back. And John Gruden, he made it clear he wasn't happy with, with the guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball, defense and offense. And that's, I think that's a good thing he, he took away from his first draft. Your two-star players are Derek Carr, who needs protection, and Khalil Mack, who needs help on the line. So he made that emphasis for his first, for his, uh, first draft coming back for John Gruden. But, yeah, not the competition. And you want to have that. You want to have competition. You want to feel like we have the five guys or the four guys. I think the right tackle was always an issue, but you don't want to just give these guys a job. I know the interior offensive line is probably still the best in football, but you look at left tackle, I don't think Donald Penn is safe. He's older. He's coming off surgery. I figured it was the foot or the leg, but that, that could be an issue for him coming back. And then you got Colton Miller. Are you going to put him on the left side or right side? Are you going to you know, make him, hopefully he's able to play from both sides. Sometimes it's hard when you always play from the left tackle side, the left tackle blind spot, you have to go over to the right. It, it's it's a lot of work, and but he brought in a bunch of bodies to help out a veteran, uh, you know, and he brought in Tom Cable. So I'm not sure about Tom Cable because he had a, issues with uh, Russell Wilson getting protection there in Seattle, but he's the guy in charge, and he brought in I think you know third round pick Brandon Parker. He moved up for Colton Miller, so 
there's so many guys. So that competition, I'm really looking forward to. Hit the left side and the right side. But, yeah, it seems like John Gruden is not happy with that, and we'll see how that plays out during July and August. Very good take on that. Yeah, very good take on that. And a lot of people, at least in the Twitterverse and social media and everything else, were kind of scratching their head and rubbing their chin about Tom Cable coming down to the Raiders, even though he had history with the team. But if you're looking at performance, the Seattle Seahawks offensive line may have been one of the worst offensive lines in all of football last year, even though we know Yeah, exactly. Even though we know that they were dealing with some guys who weren't actual football players, they just threw on the line and they spent money elsewhere. There's a lot of reason behind that. But well yet to be seen how Tom Cable will do with the uh, the Raiders offensive line. And and lastly, Michael, in talking about the Raiders mini camp and kind of wrapping things up, how did they get through as far as injury wise? Uh, we know that Obi Malafonwu, you know, he's battled injuries during his brief career with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Garyon Conley, he looked very, very good. Gruden said that, and then I think he dealt with something. How did the team escape minicamp with injuries, and and do you see that being a problem at least moving forward to training camp or, or most of the injuries that the players had during minicamp, something that will be done by the time they get to training camp? To my knowledge, I don't know of any injuries the Raiders sustained this spring that will carry into training camp. You had certain guys such as Obi Melifonu who's coming off of that hip surgery that ended his 2017 rookie season be, you know, come off to a bit of a slow start. You know, certain players we didn't see at all this spring, such as the fourth round cornerback, Nick Nelson, such as 2017 third round pick Eddie Vanderdose, both of those guys coming off of knee surgeries, although very different procedures at different times. Uh, both those players are expected to be ready for the start of training camp. Melifanu was able to participate in mini camp, although working with the third team, but still he was out there getting some reps. Uh, you mentioned Garyon Conley. He had a minor growing strain, John Gruden said, but uh, Gruden also said that he will be ready to go for training camp. Sharice Wright, Marcus Gilchrist, a couple of the Raiders' additions in for agency at the secondary. In the secondary, uh, both of those guys had minor injuries but are expected to be, again, full go for training camp. So all in all, on that note, uh, pretty a lot of positive news for the Raiders. So that, uh, you know, health is, is so much uh, what it, you know, is it, one of the key themes from the spring. You, you, yes, you want to get done from a, a lot from the football standpoint. You want to install your offense, you install your defense, you want to, you know, start that team cohesion and all those sorts of things, but uh, health is paramount, and it appears the Raiders were able to escape the, the spring, accomplish so much, and do so with a fairly healthy slate. Man, and how about that? Leads to me saying, I guess we are going to end our Vegas Nation podcast with a healthy slate. Michael didn't he didn't mess up a, a vocal cord or anything like that in delivering <laughs> in delivering his information. Gilbert did not get hit by a car. Um, Hey, I'd like to thank Michael Gelkin, the Raiders beat writer, joining us from Alameda, talking about the Raiders and and what they accomplished during their voluntary and involuntary mini camps. And Gilberto Monsano, the NFL writer at Review Journal, uh, we appreciate your input as well. I'm Brian Salmon of our Vegas Nation podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you guys next time around.